I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have the great pleasure of having Adam Stotsky, who is the president of E Entertainment, which is part of NBC Universal, with me. Adam, hi, and welcome to the show. Hi, thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I should say thanks for having me in your lovely office here in Universal City. I've never been to this part of town, so this so, is exciting. Why up on the hill here? So yeah, lovely San Fernando Valley view over our shoulders here. And I'm digging this couch and, and all the art. This is very cool. So must, this is a nice place to come to work every day. If you crane your neck, you can see the wizarding world of Harry Potter down at uh, Universal Studios Hollywood. So driving into work every day is, um, in and of itself, an entertaining experience. Uh, magical, too. I might have to take a picture of that before I leave. So you and I had a really fun conversation yeah. Was it just a week ago, I think, when you were leaving the red carpet at the Emmys and you so graciously called and said, Nadine, I would like to volunteer to be a mentor. And I thought, oh, my God, you are the nicest and one of the most wonderful guy on earth to, to just call and volunteer. And I have to say I'm super appreciative of that. But it got us talking about all the cool things that you're doing and how much we could learn from you. And I just thought you have to be on CMO Moves. So thank you for agreeing to do super, this. Super humbling. I've followed your podcast and your interviews with top tier CMOs for quite some time. You know, hearing their insights and uh, words of wisdom is helpful for me as a former marketer and some of the work that we do with marketers as our clients uh, on a daily basis here at NBC Universal and here at E. Um, also quite helpful. So any time and any opportunity that we have and that I have uh, to give back and to share some insight that we have, I'm more than happy to do. So thrilled to do it. Excellent. Well, I can't wait to dig in. And I know we're going to cover some really juicy topics. Uh, one of them being how you went from being CMO to president. Sure. So I'm going to ask you about that first. But then we're also going to cover some cool topics around the future of marketing and uh, what the heck is this Gen Z generation all about? And are we calling them Gen Z? And storytelling and uh, just overall future media. So can't wait to have that conversation with Terrific. you. Terrific. Excellent. So Sounds let's start fun. with where you are now. Sure. So tell me about what you're doing and uh, how you got there. Yeah. 
So in my capacity at uh, EA Entertainment and at NBC Universal, I manage the P&L, uh, the brand and the full operation for a brand called E Entertainment. It's been around for about 25 years. It was uh, born out of a, a little cable channel called Movie Time, which was in the early days of basic cable. It was a venue that basically showed movie trailers. And that, over time, has evolved into a fairly sizable business called E Entertainment now. We broadcast our content to 160 countries around the world and are now part of a large organization called NBC Universal, which is owned by parent company Comcast. And so in this capacity, what I do is I lead a team of about 400 people, and what we do is we tell stories, we connect with audiences, and ultimately we deliver value to our partners. Part of those partners are advertisers, the other part are distributors, and uh, we try to do so by creating an interesting and unique experience in and around the love and passion and fanaticism uh, for pop culture. Uh, when we think about e-entertainment, it's really about um, inspiring and exciting the pop culture fan in all of us. What you're listening to, what's on your playlist, what you're watching, what's on your Netflix queue. This is a subject matter that uh, can cut across socioeconomic lines really for everybody. I like to say to people, what you're watching, what you're listening to, what you're reading is something that you can connect with that person next to you on any plane if you so choose to engage with the person next to you on the plane. You know, it's sort of a galvanizing experience for people to uh, commune over. So that's what e-entertainment's all about. I've been part of NBC Universal for about 17 years, first and foremost, as you referenced earlier, as a marketer. I spent the first part of my career as a marketer, entering at first inside the advertising agency business. Spent about seven years working for an agency called Fallon, originally called Fallon McGilligan, first in Minneapolis and then in New York, and then made the leap over to the quote-unquote client side of the marketing ecosystem with a, a role at Discovery Communications, first as VP of marketing for a couple of their brands. And then I found myself at a, an industry uh, event seated next to one of my now bosses, uh, Bonnie Hammer, who at the time was the general manager of a little cable channel called Sci-Fi, and she had just blown up her marketing department. She and I started talking, and I kind of fell in love with her. She's this really inspiring, uh, really super articulate, incredibly creative woman who wanted to do something really different with this brand. I got a call from her a couple of weeks later, and she asked me to come on board, and that started a 17-year relationship with her and a 17-year career at NBC Universal, first as vice president of marketing at Sci-Fi. I sort of grew up through the ranks at Sci-Fi. I left Sci-Fi in 2008, moved from New York to Los Angeles to serve as the chief marketing officer of NBC Entertainment. Three years later, was asked to come back into Bonnie Hammer's world to take a brand called G4 and turn it into something else. We turned it into a brand called Esquire Network which we can talk about. Mm -hmm. And that evolved to my current role. About four years ago, I was asked to take on responsibility for e-entertainment in addition to Esquire Network. I was managing the P&L for two brands, two businesses, and it's just been a lot of fun. I think uh, the things that I was interested in as a marketer and as an advertising executive, I still remain interested in, which is brands, storytelling, how consumers work, and how to build rich and meaningful relationships between audiences and, and brands, and 
that's what I did then, and that's what I do now. That is so cool. And you did that as a CMO, and now you're doing it as a president. Right. So tell me a little bit about the differences in the responsibilities and how you sort of took this presidential role on, some of the things that you had to add to your portfolio or maybe take out of your portfolio, because you can't do it all. Sure. Definitely cannot do it all, uh, and you certainly can't do it without having a great team in place. I, I've always seen my role as marketer and as advertising executive uh, very similar to how I see my role now. I'm going to co-opt a, a story from Pat Fallon, one of my early mentors at Fallon McElligot, the ad agency. He described the role of an account executive, you know, the sort of Pete Campbell from Mad Men, as the conductor of the orchestra. You don't necessarily design media plans. You don't necessarily write ads or create artwork attached to those ads. You sort of bring the organization together. You bring the orchestra together to create a symphonic story for the brand, the business that needs addressing. And that's how I've always seen my role as marketer. And that's how I see my role today. I don't necessarily produce television although the organization that I lead produces about 600 hours of original programming every year. I don't schedule the programs. I don't do the research and insight. I don't sell the advertising. I don't sell our product to distributors. What I do is I bring the organization and the culture together um, against a common mission, a singular mission, keep them motivated with, with insight and access and resources, and really give them the tools that they need to do the best job possible. So my job then, in some ways, very similar to my job now. I think where it's most different is I'm responsible for the entirety of the business versus one function. And I think for me as a marketer, I had always seen my role as not just simply building the brand, but building the business. Right? The brand is nothing without a healthy business underneath it, and vice versa. I think it's necessary to have a healthy brand to drive a healthy and successful and hopefully profitable business. So the two things are inextricably linked. And so I had always spent a fair amount of my time as marketer thinking about what's really going to drive the cash register, what's really going to drive not only audience engagement and brand love, but ultimately what's going to build a profitable business. That's what sustains over time. Absolutely. And you were talking about you know how you think through not only what the short and long-term goals are, but how you communicate that. What can you share with us about what you learned thinking through that? Television and and media in many ways is a a bit of a retail business. In the television ecosystem, our cash register rings overnight. We know to a certain degree how we perform the next day. And that real-time insight and data into our performance can, at times drive the organization to be very, very short-term focused. And we had always seen our role as marketers inside my former role, uh, and today to a certain degree, as how do we drive the organization against near-term business goals, driving audience consumption, and in turn delivering value to our advertising partners. But over time, how do those near-term tactics and strategies build towards our our long-term mission and our long-term goals. Always a bit of a push-pull because I think for many businesses and many management teams, the near-term drives can drive compensation metrics and compensation goals. 
And so managing the near term and the long term, I think, for me, was really derived out of building a trusting relationship with uh, my management team, my CEO or my president at the time, to understand that long-term vision and long-term strategy can't be at the expense of near-term goals, right? The two things Mm -hmm. are inextricably linked. You set a series of short-term tactics and goals that hopefully over time can build value towards the long term. The two things are inextricably linked. As we were saying, mm-hmm. the two things of, or the, the two sides of the brand and the business coin right. are inextricably linked. You can't think about one without thinking about the other. Yeah, absolutely. Were there times where you thought, okay, this is a short term goal, but then turned out to not actually have short term ROI, but turned into a long term goal or something? Maybe the opposite, where you said, we're going to do this for a long term play, and all of a sudden it became a short term success. Yeah, here at E! Entertainment, we have a great working relationship with New York Fashion Week, for example. Mm-hmm. And when we entered into that partnership, we, we know that the, the E! audience looks to E! not only for, for entertainment, but also for cues on style mm-hmm. and fashion and beauty. The Kardashians, for example, mm-hmm. are great, for our audience, are great symbols and signposts for how to wear your hair, how to dress, how to get a smoky eye. So out of that insight, we formed a partnership about four years ago with New York Fashion Week to be the -the on-the-ground exclusive media sponsor and media partner for New York Fashion Week. And the idea there was, first and foremost, how do we build an adjacency with the sort of pinnacle of the fashion world that so that over time our audience can continue to look to the e-brand as a, uh, a beacon for what's happening in style. Uh, out of that, we designed a near-term set of tactics and a near-term set of programs to monetize that partnership via the creation and distribution of content from New York Fashion Week and in turn partnership opportunities with our advertisers to join us in this venture. And so what started as a brand-enhancing exercise ultimately turned into um, a revenue-generating program as well. And so, again, anytime you can do the two things, build brand value, build meaningful and rich and dynamic and healthy relationships with your audience, but also generate revenue, and hopefully that's profitable revenue, that's our goal. Awesome. So let's talk about fashion and beauty and pop culture and all of the new things that are going on. We were talking about what the future of media holds just because of how fast things are changing with the way consumers interact with your brands, interact with your celebrities. You mentioned the Kardashians, there's Kylie Jenner, there's all kinds of things going on. Tell me what your perspective is on where we are right now and kind of where we're headed. The media sector is going through rapid transformation and rapid disruption, like many other sectors. For us, I think the most disruptive force is the existence of direct-to-consumer relationships. Historically, media was intermediated to the consumer through a platform. Today, storytelling, entertainment, news, information can go direct to the consumer, whether it's through their social media feed um, or it's on top of a cable box via a, an internet-connected device streaming Netflix or Hulu or, or Amazon. And so we've made the decision as a, as a brand and a business to find opportunities to connect with consumers, not only through our traditional channels, um, but also through new and emergent platforms. And so 
we think about E as a distributed media ecosystem. So E is not just simply a television channel. It is, and that is our legacy business that is still meaningful and it's still healthy and still delivers a significant amount of value to the business and to the overall company. But increasingly, we're finding opportunities to connect directly with our consumers, new and existing, directly through other platforms beyond our legacy. So, for example, three years ago, E! News, which is one of our products, was a television program that existed every day at 7 o'clock. Alongside that, we had a website, a fairly robust website, that delivered about 30, maybe 35 million unique visitors a month. But increasingly, we saw that news was becoming a commodity and was becoming a commodity that was mobile first. You would get your news updates through your feed, whatever that feed is, whether it's Apple Alerts or it's a Twitter feed or a Facebook feed. And so what we did was we collapsed the two organizations together and we inverted the focus of e-news. And we said e-news is going to be actually mobile first. Our television platform is still very important Mm -hmm. to the overall ecosystem, but increasingly we're connecting directly to consumers through their feeds first and foremost to create this very rich and meaningful and dynamic experience through lots of lots of touch points. And so I think the moral of the story is we can no longer as a as a quote unquote television brand think of ourselves solely along those terms. We have to think about what are all the opportunities we have to connect with the consumer in rich and meaningful ways and develop content for them, appropriate for that platform. And ultimately, the relationship will evolve over time. And hopefully, we can figure out a profitable way to create you know, revenue ar- around that. There's so many ways to deliver content. And a lot of the value of the shows that you produce has so much support from the people that are in it. Like the Kardashians and Kylie Jenner. The promotional support is, first and foremost, invaluable. Mm -hmm. Kardashians, for example, have a social media footprint of well over a billion followers. And so the marketing value, the promotional value of that kind of support is worth its weight in gold, for Mm -hmm. sure. I think increasingly for us, we're trying to think about how do we use that social media platform as a vehicle to distribute the actual content that Mm -hmm. we're producing formally solely for the television platform, but increasingly today and in the future for those other platforms that our audiences are engaging with. Mm -hmm. So I think the future of media is not simply to define yourself by your legacy platform, but to think of yourselves as a relationship with an audience and try to find ways to tell stories on the platforms that your audiences are engaging with above and beyond what your legacy has been. Excellent. And then when you think about Gen Z, they are a really cool new generation that does everything differently. Right. How are they consuming media and being part of the storytelling equation? Right. Well, what we're seeing is it's media on the go. It's media through lots of different platforms, whether it's a podcasting platform, a streaming platform, whether it's streaming music or streaming video, It's an ephemeral platform like Snapchat. I think there is a voracious media appetite that is unlike any other generation that's come before them because they've they've been born into a mobile world, really, from the get-go. And so for us, we were very early into Snapchat. 
seeing their audience engagement levels really just sort of out, outshining the rest of the market. And so we went long early on with Snapchat as a company and as a as a brand, E was sort of first to the platform to use the platform for long form storytelling. So about two and a half years ago we launched a news product called the Rundown, which was bespoke for the Snapchat platform. It does about eight and a half million viewers a week. And what we're seeing is incredibly powerful audience feedback about that product. And this is an audience that doesn't come to our television platform in any significant way. And so our challenge was how do we use this platform for what it does really well? How do we tell stories in a different way, but stay true to what the e-brand is all about? That's proven quite successful for us. I think it will be very different in six months' time. But as long as we're piloting and trying and R&Ding on new platforms, we'll continue to get a feedback loop from Gen Z and understand how to tell stories for them for the future. I think the other challenge that we have is Gen Z starting to enter the workforce. I think you and I were talking mm-hmm. about this earlier. And how do you use that media savvy and that sort of mobile first generation uh, to its fullest? And we're seeing a, just a, a great opportunity to use that kind of mobile first disposition as it relates to content creation for marketing purposes. You know, historically, mm-hmm. as a marketer, when you're launching a product, we would think, you know, 15 years ago about creating, you know, three television commercials and a, a big media plan to sort of push it out through. You know, increasingly, we're looking at our marketing as, as publishing or marketing as a bit of a newsroom. And the Gen Zs that we're beginning to onboard into our marketing ecosystem, our marketing organization, these are folks that can shoot, that can edit, that can produce all on the desktop at times on the phone and can publish within hours of accessing content. And that kind of real-time, real-turn, fast turnaround publishing rhythm I think is going to be increasingly vital for not just the e-brand or NBC Universal brands, but but for brands really across the board Mm -hmm. Uh, because the media appetite of this audience is just insatiable. And so we've been wrestling with how do we as a marketing organization, how do we as a media platform respond to that voracious appetite? And so, you know, I think bringing them into the organization, giving, giving them the tools to create and the platforms to distribute through without a lot of friction um, has yielded some fairly positive results thus far. That is so cool. Yeah. I mean, like literally two days ago, I was at Brand Week and I was talking with Doug Zanger, who's the editor at Adweek. And we were talking about the future of content and uh, the the rapid nature of creating content continues to accelerate. And I think that it'll be instrumental for CBOs to start thinking about who's sitting next to who. Sure. Having a performance marketer right next to a creative yep. or a Gen Zer who can do it all. There's real time data sets that can mm-hmm. help you augment your not only tactics but also your messaging in real time and having a a marketing organization that can respond in real time, you know, is a real sort of transformative moment for uh, marketers really across the board. Jen Neal, who's um, our chief marketing officer here at E, has spent a lot of time with our E News organization, right? So E News is in and of itself, by mm-hmm. definition, a publishing organization. And so she's borrowed many of the audience development strategies and publishing strategies that we 
deploy as a news organization and built them into her marketing organization. So really kind of evolving away from, you know, copywriters and art directors mm-hmm. and building a team of makers, mm-hmm. you know, folks who are who are comfortable just producing content on the fly in real time has been a, a, a bit of a transformative journey for uh, for Jen and her team and for the E-team at large. I love that. I have to write that down. Team of makers. That's a good headline. It may or may not be your podcast headline, but... You can use it. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. Sure. It will be obviously clearly attributed to you. So. Sure. Well, unfortunately, we are coming close to being out of time. I have a couple right. more questions for you. Tips for success. Tips. What tips do you give marketers today to really stay ahead of the game or position themselves for a really healthy growth pattern in their career? Bonnie Hammer, who's been a uh, an incredible mentor for me, she's the chairman of NBC Universal Cable Entertainment, she's my boss, asks of her team two things. And I think these are invaluable tips, really, for anybody. And I think that the simplicity just can't be um, overlooked. Do the job to the best of your ability, right? which is kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but rolling up to that is, is, is lots of things, you know, mm-hmm. f- focusing on the bottom line. You know, as a marketer, I think many times you can get caught up in image enhancement and not spend enough time focused on the bottom line. And I think for your audience, one of the tips that I would say in terms of doing the best job to your ability is to really remember that marketing is in service, not just of audience acquisition and brand enhancement, but it's really meant to drive the bottom line, right? That's Mm. why we're here. That's the single most important thing that your CEO, your president is thinking about. They're thinking about delivering bottom line results. Steve Burke, our CEO, has a very singular metric for his management team. It's operating cash flow, profit, right? What are we delivering on the bottom line that ultimately is going to deliver value to our shareholders? So do the job to the best of your ability. And so the other thing that Bonnie asks, and I think it's the the tip I would leave your listeners with, is be a good partner. Far too often we lose sight of that, that um, many businesses today, I know that our business uh, lives and dies off the basis of our, the strength of our relationships and our partnerships, our partnership with the creative community here in Hollywood, our partnerships with our advertising partners, right? Majority, a significant amount of our revenue comes from, from advertising. And so we have to single-mindedly be focused on delivering great partnership value to our advertisers. Our distributors, the the folks who actually pay us for the content that we produce to distribute out to their viewers or their users, depending on the platform, and we have to be a great partner. And I think oftentimes we can forget that you know we do not live in a vacuum. We do not live in a bubble. And be a good partner to one another, not only the the team members, but um, you know looking horizontally across a management team as a CMO. You know, do you have an effective working relationship? an effective partnership with your CFO or your CTO increasingly becoming an invaluable relationship with, uh, with, with chief marketers today. And so, you know, I think doing a great job and being a great partner, um, just simple headlines and simple ideas that can be written on a T-shirt are the tips that I, I'd leave your uh, listeners with because it's something that, you know, I try to reinforce with my team um, on a day-by-day, if not hour-by-hour basis. That is really, really good advice. And, and like you said, sometimes the simplest advice is the most effective, right? I just came off of Brand Week yesterday, and they closed the show with Tony Robbins. And he has this art of making the super complex become so so simple 
And it's things like believe in yourself. Right. Because if you don't, who will, right? You know, but, you know, doing a great job and being a great partner are two very, very sound points. And so thank you for sharing that. Really appreciate it. You'll be the Tony Robbins of marketing. Uh, so, <laughs> but my last... He has co- the largest hands of any human being you've ever met. It's, it's, it, is, it is the most daunting grip you can ever reach for. It, He's impressive. It's, it's, I was in the front row, like, and he was standing, like, literally three inches away from me, and I had to, like, lean all the way back in my seat just to see if he's... He's an impressive individual. Across many levels. Yeah, Yeah, across... And in all ways, yes. So, okay, so my last question for you. This is the fun one. Okay. You may or may not know what it is, but if you were not the president of E, you weren't doing this at all, and money were no object, talent were no object, what would you be doing? Wow. That's a a hard one. I, I would probably... It would be between two professions. I think first and foremost, I would love to be a stay-at-home dad. Oh, I've got eleven yay. and twelve-year-old boys, and um, you know, there's a chunk of their lives that I don't that I don't see uh, because I'm working hard and trying to do a good job for NBC uh, NBC Universal. And so, really investing in them, I do it to the best of my ability, but um, it never feels like it's enough. Um, and so that would probably be chosen profession number one. Uh, number two, I come from a family of retailers, and I think I would open a haberdashery of some sort for men, a little men's clothing store. Uh, if a my, haberdashery? If, a ha- I would call it a haberdashery, exactly. I've never yes. heard that term. Should I have heard that term? Cocktails and, uh, and sport coats, oh. I think, would be... a. Uh, is what Maybe I've never it. been invited to one. That's probably why I haven't... But that sounds fun. Sure. Can I do a haberdashery for women? You absolutely could. Okay, I'll look into that. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Super. Adam, thank you so much for it's doing this with me. It's my pleasure to do. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. And I can't wait for you to become a mentor to a lucky listener. Thrilled. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Hey there. Are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit ViralGrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 